You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Welcome back, my friends. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. You are tuned into the Republic Broadcasting Network, and I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you this Monday night as we open up a new week of broadcasts here on the radio for your listening pleasure. And I certainly hope that you are strapped in for an interesting week of conversations, because this is going to be a themed week where we are talking to and about and around the subject of BoilingFrogsPost.com. For some of the listeners, you might may already know this, but for those who don't, I am affiliated with a number of websites online, including grtv.ca and theinternationalforecaster.com, but I'm also affiliated with boilingfrogspost.com, which is the website of FBI whistleblower Sibel Edmonds, and she has been fighting courageously and valiantly for 11 years now to try to expose what is really going on at the highest levels of the FBI as from her vantage point in the FBI Washington field office where she was working as a translator in the wake of 9-11 and uh, just some of the horrific things that she experienced and encountered there just absolutely the stuff of nightmares to think that that sort of just incredible stuff is happening at the highest levels of national security. But it has all been confirmed. You can find out more about Sibel in the interviews that we've done with her before on this broadcast, in my podcast, in my videos. Uh, she's got, of course, at BoilingFrogsPost.com. She writes uh, articles and editorials. She's also got her book, Classified Woman, which I could not recommend highly enough. Just a remarkable story of what really happens at the highest levels of the National Security Theater that passes for law enforcement these days. Well, that being said, this week we're going to be concentrating on BoilingFrogsPost.com and we're going to be featuring interviews with a number of the people who are contributing to Boiling Frogs Post. It is becoming quite a collective of people who are all bringing their own individual talents and perspectives to the blog, so I hope you are checking it out on a regular basis. It's not only... Sibel Edmonds, but also one of her founding partners, uh, Peter B. Collins of PeterBCollins.net, who is the co-host of the Boiling Frogs podcast, the flagship podcast there. And uh, he uh, he will be on the program tomorrow night. And then on Wednesday night, we're going to be talking to Andrew Gavin Marshall of AndrewGavinMarshall.com. He also does a podcast for the website called Empire, Power, and People. On Thursday, we're going to be talking to Eric Dreitzer of StopImperialism.com, who does a brand new uh, podcast for Boiling Frogs Post on a weekly basis. It's called The Reality Principle. And the first episode just came out last week. So we'll be having him on the program Thursday night to talk about that. And then on Friday night, we're going to be having none other than Sibel Edmonds herself, former FBI whistleblower, for a conversation about F- her experiences at the FBI, about Boiling Frogs Post, about the alternative media. It's going to be a very, very interesting uh, week of broadcasts here, so I hope you'll be tuned in. And this is all in honor of a new DVD that's going to be available very shortly from Bo- BoilingFrogsPost.com. Unfortunately, there's been some problems with the at the duplicators, and there's been some technical issues, so it's not ready quite yet, but we are working on it behind the scenes. It will be ready shortly. It's going to be a compilation of some of my eye-opener reports revolving around the subject of the police state and police state 2012, police state international. And we're going to uh, to be featuring some of those eye-opener reports, as well as there's an interview with Andrew Gavin Marshall and a compilation of ed- 
editorial cartoons by Paul Jamiel, etc. on this disc. But we're going to be uh, featuring some of those Boiling Frogs Post eye-opener reports on tonight's edition of the broadcast. So as some of you might know, it is a, a preview of each episode is posted to my YouTube channel each week at youtube.com slash Corbett Report, a three or four minute preview. But the full 12, 15, 18, sometimes 20 minute long videos are available for subscribers to BoilingFrogsPost.com. After three weeks, they become available to a- anyone out there in the public. So after three weeks' time, the uh, the wall goes down and you can watch the reports in their entirety. So tonight we're going to be featuring some of the, the videos that are featured on this brand new police state video of BoilingFrogsPost.com, this new DVD that's going to be coming out and available for purchase. These reports are all available online for free right now, so I'll put the links in for the reports we feature tonight. But of course, your support is needed to help keep Boiling Frogs Post coming to you. So when we come back from this break, we're going to be looking at uh, just the introduction to this police state series, talking about the ways the police state is very much here and alive in 2012. TV station in Boston airs a story about a library that sent a police sergeant to collect overdue library books from a five-year-old girl. The Associated Press reports on a 70-year-old woman in Utah who was wrestled to the ground and arrested for failing to maintain her lawn in accordance with city standards. The Autotech blog of MSNBC runs a public interest story about the latest must-have gadget for local police stations around the country. 10-person, 16,000-pound armor-plated tanks that are paid for by the federal government. One of the greatest problems in talking about the police state is that all such discussion of the subject is hampered by the lack of a clear-cut definition. Given the public's own ignorance of the true nature and function of a police state, story after story after story of intolerable levels of official oppression, secret illegal surveillance, and increasingly sophisticated technology for tracking, apprehending, incapacitating, and even killing dissenters can be dismissed because these stories are reported one at a time in a contextless and therefore meaningless way that invites the interpretation that these stories are only warnings of what is to come, instead of signposts of a reality that is already here. Those who seek to sow discord amongst the potential opposition to the growing control of the state over every aspect of the public's lives can confuse and distract those opponents by engaging them in endless dialogue fretting about what a police state is, whether our society is becoming one, and what the hallmarks of such a state might be. Distracted in this way, the public can be tricked into believing that the police state is some imaginary future possibility, one that will only be realized when menacing troops in brown shirts, red armbands, and jackboots goose-step people into internment camps against their will. The technique is devastatingly effective because people can become caught up in pointing at this or that story of police brutality or government surveillance as signs of a police state that onlookers are always expecting. In reality, the police state is already here, And to understand this, we need look only at the decades-long history documenting the step-by-step construction of this system. For many, the classical image of a police state comes from works of dystopic science fiction. These imagined police states tend to contain certain key elements that immediately let the reader or viewer know that the characters exist in a totalitarian society. They are ruled over by powerful, authoritarian governments. Surveillance, spying, and snitching are used as ways to keep people from rebelling against the government. 
laws are arbitrary and punishments immediate. And the laws are enforced by a menacing, militarized police force. In the United States, the militarization of the police force began in earnest in 1969 when the LAPD deployed the first SWAT team in a shootout with the Black Panthers. Since that point, SWAT teams have evolved into paramilitary forces equipped with tanks, stun grenades, and submachine guns. Although they were originally touted for their ability to respond to extremely dangerous and unusual situations such as hostage takings and counter-terror operations, they are now routinely deployed for everything from domestic disturbances to gambling raids. The willingness of police departments to use their SWAT teams has even led to a new form of prank called swatting, where people call in fake emergencies to get SWAT forces deployed on their victims. Around 9.30 Wednesday night, more than a dozen cops and a SWAT unit swarmed an apartment at this North Salinas apartment complex. A 911 call had been made of three men armed with AK-47s trying to break in. However, when officers arrived, we found that it was actually a bogus call that had been uh, uh, sent through a computer system to our 911 operators. Also in the 1960s, the U.S. government began working on a series of continuity of government plans to ensure order during times of so-called civil disturbances. One of the best-known such plans from that era, Operation Garden Plot, envisaged military and National Guard members being deployed to police the American public in the event of a riot or uprising. This plan became the template for future contingency planning, carried on in the 1980s by Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney at the behest of the Reagan administration. This led to Readiness Exercise 1984, a plan to round up and arrest vast numbers of U.S. citizens during a national emergency. Rex 84 was famously exposed during the Iran-Contra hearings. In February 1995, Joe Biden introduced a bill called the Omnibus Counterterrorism Act of 1995. Proposing sweeping changes to American law enforcement, it allowed for secret evidence to be used in prosecutions, expanded wiretapping by the government, and the creation of terrorism as a federal crime that could be invoked to allow the use of U.S. military in domestic law enforcement in direct violation to long-standing laws against such measures. The Clinton administration was unable to get the bill passed in the wake of the Oklahoma City bombing tragedy, but it returned in 2001 as the Patriot Act. Senator Biden even bragged that his 1995 bill was in large part the Patriot Act's forerunner. In the wake of the Patriot Act, all crimes and even misdemeanors could be treated as acts of terrorism, and civil liberties were greatly eroded. Amanda, we understand that because this case falls under the Patriot Act, a lot of the usual rights for defendants not available here. That's right, David. The Patriot Act was created after 9-11. It allows federal agents to investigate suspected cases of terrorism swiftly in order to better protect our country. But one Granville County mother says it gives the federal government too much leeway. Her son was taken into federal custody two months ago. She can't get him out, and she can't get any answers. Meanwhile, the Bush administration was setting up the Department of Homeland Security and expanding a covert surveillance program that illegally captured the personal phone calls, faxes, and emails of ordinary Americans without a warrant. In 2007, the Bush White House issued National Security Presidential Directive 51, a national continuity policy giving the president sweeping new powers in the event of a national emergency, itself declared by the president. When asking to see the classified version of the plan to understand precisely what powers the president was claiming for himself, Representative Peter DeFazio of the U.S. House Committee on Homeland Security was told he did not have clearance 
to read the document. They introduced a little sketchy public version that's clearly inadequate uh, and, and doesn't really tell us what they have in mind. But they said, don't worry, there's a detailed classified version. But now they've denied the entire Homeland Security Committee of the United States House of Representatives access to their so-called detailed plan to provide for continuity of government. They say, trust us. In 2008, it was revealed that InfraGuard, an FBI program started in 1996, had deputized over 23,000 members of private industry to work with the Department of Homeland Security in protecting national infrastructure against terrorist threats. Two program whistleblowers testified that they had been given shoot-to-kill powers in the event of martial law. In 2009, it was revealed that Boy Scouts were being trained by U.S. Customs and Border Patrol in simulated terrorism drills and border confrontations. In 2010, the Department of Homeland Security announced an expansion of its campaign, If You See Something, Say Something, which includes televised messages being played in department stores and hotels across the country, encouraging members of the public to snitch on each other. That's why I'm pleased that Walmart is helping to make our communities more safe and secure. If you see something suspicious in the parking lot or in the store, say something immediately. Report suspicious activity to your local police or sheriff. If you need help, ask a Walmart manager for assistance. Thank you for doing your part to help keep our hometowns safe. Seen in this context, we can properly understand that the police state is not some distant, far-off possibility. On the contrary, the legal, technical, and bureaucratic infrastructure for a system of outright state control under a unitary executive has been carefully laid over the course of decades, not just in America, but in country after country around the globe. And it's only in this context, with the police state as a present reality rather than a future possibility, that we can start to assemble the pieces of the police state puzzle that have been scattered out in front of us over the past 10 years. Just on a personal level, uh, how did you, what was your reaction uh, to learn that uh, law enforcement officials, according to this source, are analyzing the numbers that you dial, uh, presumably in an effort to track down your other con con confidential sources? Well, you know, I guess in an abstract way, I always thought that was likely or possible. But once I actually heard this specific information and, and this person knew a couple of specific calls, it was truly alarming and made you think, well, my gosh, what are we going to do about this? I mean, it means a lot more uh, in-person visits. I'm working on a big story now with people who are confidential sources inside the Federal Air Marshal Service. They were all alarmed that they might be exposed as talking with me in violation of rules. So it's of great concern. Usually news media is told to stay behind or in front or next to the line of skirmish. They let us know. Not today. I am helping her move her. She can't move her. Move her back away from the skirmish line or you're under arrest. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. No name, just pushed out of the way. They then move into the park where, remember, there's a rally going on. From the other side, photographers who had no idea what was coming at them. You're probably used to seeing these signature blue uniforms at the airport. Do something, do something, do something. But now, TSA agents are on the interstates fighting terrorism with visible intermodal prevention and response, or VIPER, operations. 
Where is a terrorist most apt to be found? Not these days on an airplane or likely on the interstate. Tuesday, Tennessee was the first to do this simultaneously at five way stations and two bus stations statewide. Unbelievable. Armed guard. Who is sending? What branch of the U.S. government is sending armed guards into the Gibson Guitar Factory? Well, the Justice Department is uh, investigating us and in uh, with the wildlife uh, there were several uh, enforcement departments, the Wildlife Bureau and also Homeland Security. Homeland Security. This is something that I had no... In 2009, Homeland Security officers dressed up, as I understand it, in SWAT gear, came in and went into your company. What do they claim that you were doing that is against the law? Well, the really ironic thing is they, they didn't tell us. The picture that is painted when one really looks at this information is bleak, but it is far better to understand the police state reality that exists than to fret about whether or not it is coming. For in reality, the police state is not an entity, not some monolithic thing, or a state of existence that only has an on or an off position, but a process, a spectrum, something that always exists to one extent or another. Once this process is understood for what it is, the question is no longer whether or not this or that atrocity against liberty is a sign of a police state, but why we would ever tolerate such atrocities in the first place. And this is the real key to dismantling the police state, since all such authoritarian structures rests on the fundamental illusion that a few people at the top of the pyramid hold all the power, and all the masses at the bottom are under their thrall. The truth, as always and in every society, is that the people hold all the power and no amount of illegal surveillance or police state gadgets could ever hold back an engaged, informed public that recognized their own power over the public officials they support with their tax dollars and the elected representatives that they vote into power and the corporate giants that they buy from every single day. Once that illusion is shattered, and the people realize that the pyramid is inverted with the mass of the people threatening to crush the few at the apex at any given moment, the police state loses its power. This video is brought to you by the subscribers of BoilingFrogsPost.com. For more information on this and other topics, please go to BoilingFrogsPost.com. For more information and commentary from James Corbett, please go to CorbettReport.com. One day in Manhattan, clear as could be, till the planes hit the building. All right, friends, welcome back to the broadcast. This is Corbett Report Radio. I am your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Tonight we are talking about BoilingFrogsPost.com, and specifically we're highlighting just a couple of the videos that are will be available on the forthcoming DVD from BoilingFrogsPost.com. It is based on the idea of the Police State 2012 series that I was doing for the Eye Opener Report earlier this year. And once again, these uh, reports are now all available for free viewing online, so there's no obligation to buy, but of course your support does help make the Boiling Frogs Post website and the entire team there uh, really come to you every week with their various podcasts and videos, and there's the nightly news and editorial at Boiling Frogs Post, etc. So 
once again, your support is very much appreciated. And again, I should stress that the DVD is not available for purchase yet. So you're going to have to hold off on that itchy trigger finger to, uh, to pull the trigger and buy this DVD. Don't worry, I will let you know when it is available and when we've got it back from the, the pub- publication uh, people. But let's, uh, let's just talk for a moment about Boiling Frogs Post and about the eye-opener report specifically, because uh, I know there's new people tuning in all the time. Maybe you're not familiar with these eye-opener reports, but basically these are once a week, a 10, 15, 20 minutes, somewhere in that range, exploration of a given topic. Often they're around a theme so that I'll do a, a report each week on a, a theme for a number of weeks. Uh, recently, for example, we were exploring the Asia-Pacific region. Uh, we were just exploring the Iran World War III scenario, and uh, just this week we're going to start uh, what I am envisioned to be a series on psychological operations and how they actually function. I'm calling PsyOps 101. At the very least, we're going to do, I'm going to do the first episode of that for this uh, Tuesday's edition of the Eye Opener. And in subsequent weeks, I hope to follow up with more exploration on that topic. But uh, but earlier this year, we were doing a series on the police state, police state 2012, police state international, police state solutions and answers, because, of course, that's always an important po- point of all of this. It's not merely to make people coil and cower in the corner with their thumb in their uh, in their mouth, sucking their thumb and waiting for the end to come. It's about what you can do to empower yourself and to stop this unfolding police state. So we have some ideas on that front as well. But uh, but th- that's basically what this is in a nutshell. This is a DVD that's going to contain several of those reports. Also reports kind of tangentially related to this, a report that I did on the FBI and how it handles FOIA requests, uh, talking about the process of blackballing and uh, and we're, and also national security letters and how that plays into this. So a lot of different things swirling around the police state issue and the various ways it intrudes into our lives. It's a quite a, a jam-packed, information-packed DVD, if I do say so myself, which I do. It also includes an interview that I conducted recently with Andrew Gavin Marshall. Behind the scenes, you haven't seen this interview. It's just us talking about Boiling Frogs, his association with it, how he came to start his podcast, etc. So uh, that's part of this, this DVD as well as uh, Paul Jamiel's editorial cartoons. And for those of you who don't visit Boiling Frogs on a regular basis, you might not be familiar with Paul Jamiel's work, but I suggest you familiarize yourself with it. He does some excellent biting editorial cartoons on the subject of the police state and uh, the NSA and the NDAA and all of these things that are swirling around and which we talk about here on the program all the time. He does it in an excellent uh, one-panel editorial cartoon that he often says more than I can say in a thousand words or sometimes in a thousand hours. So certainly I hope you are checking out his work and there's an excellent compilation of his works on the topic of the police state in this DVD as well. So again, jam-packed with information. I hope you will get it when it is available from BoilingFrogsPost.com to help support ourselves, all of us, because the uh, proceeds go are split uh, amongst all of us. So uh, Sibel is just an absolute incredible person to be associated with, and I am absolutely honored to be working with her on BoilingFrogsPost.com. So I, again, I hope you will be checking it on a regular basis. All sorts of articles, editorials, podcasts, and videos coming out there, and it's, uh, it's just growing into an incredible information resource. And as I say, this week we're going to be featuring um, basically 
almost everyone associated with the website. We're going to be talking to Andrew Gavin Marshall, Eric Dreitzer, uh, and Peter B. Collins, and of course, Sibel herself will be here Friday night, so I hope you'll be tuned in for that. But I guess I should just give a little bit of background about the eye-opener and how it all came together, since you might be curious. Uh, we Basically, Sibel got in touch with me after my uh, the last word on CCTV video. That was one of the ones that I think was will get her take on this on Friday, but she uh, says is one of the ones that made her really take note of what I was doing and decide to get in touch with me, and she got in touch with me to p- potentially start some sort of video series. We worked it out from there, and it became the eye-opener report. And the reason it's called the eye-opener report, it actually goes back to something from my hometown of Calgary, Canada. There was a muckraking journalist at the turn of the 20th century who had a, well, a muckraking publication called that he called the eye-opener. And uh, it was basically uh, the type of publication that the powers that be uh, don't really want floating around in, in the community. It, it pulled no punches and was uh, basically scurrilous material on all the people in positions of power in Calgary at that time. So it had a reputation for being quite a quite a muckraking publication, and it, it uh, became part of Calgary lore. And it survived in various ways. Even one of the local radio programs is called the Eye Opener, etc. But it's been obviously diluted since the time when it was really questioning people in power. But that's the spirit that I pick up on, and that's what I hope that the Eye Opener is really about. Opening people's eyes to what's really going on in the corridors of power and what people can really be doing about it. So on that note, let's take another short break. But when we come back, we're going to take a look at another one of these Boiling Frogs Post eye-opener reports in its entirety, this time the one on police state answers and solutions, or is that solutions and answers? Because again, it isn't about being disempowered. It is about taking our power back and realizing that we are often the ones giving the police state the power to do what it's doing. So on that note, let's take another short break. We'll be right back after these messages with more Boiling Frog's Post eye-opener reports. Available now from BoilingFrogsPost.com, the Boiling Frog's Post DVD. Now, for the first time on DVD, you can own six classic eye-opener reports, as well as a never-before-seen gallery of Paul Jamiel's political cartoons, and an exclusive interview with Sibel Edmonds. Featuring a series of in-depth video reports on the CIA, including The CIA and the Media It is uncontested fact that the CIA has enjoyed a long and intimate relationship with some of the largest news organizations in the world. Exposing InQtel InQtel has generated a number of headlines since its inception based on what can only be described as the creepiness factor of its investments in overtly Orwellian technologies. The CIA and the drug trade. We have the admission from, from the U.S. government that they had a, a high-level informant inside the Sinaloa cartel. And the CIA and the nuclear black market. As well as two classic reports. The anthrax attacks ten years later. It was simply assumed that the attacks were part of an orchestrated terror campaign and Obama's Transparency Award. During this period, five organizations that advertised themselves as anti-secrecy, pro-transparency, went to the White House and presented this president with an uh, anti-secrecy award. A gallery of political cartoons by Paul Jamiel. And an interview with BoilingFrogsPost.com founder, Sibel Edmonds. So, 
The idea of boiling frogs post came around the time that I decided. Well, you know, we've been going to Congress, we've been going to、uh, various organizations that claim that they were there to make changes. You know, the, the big word, the magic word, changes. And really, it, it, nothing was happening. No improvements were coming along, and actually, things were getting worse. Support the Boiling Frogs Post team and watch these reports in high quality. Purchase your copy today at boilingfrogspost.com. All right, friends. Welcome back to the program. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Once again, I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Tonight, we're taking a look at some of the, or just a couple of the eye-opener reports that are available on the forthcoming DVD from BoilingFrogsPost.com on the subject of the police state. Once again,、uh, there's seven eye-opener reports plus an interview with Andrew Gavin Marshall plus a compilation of Paul Jamiel's video、uh, editorial cartoons in the form of a video. So a jam-packed information CD here, DVD, I should say, that will be available from BoilingFrogsPost.com shortly. But once again, there's been a technical hitch, so we will have to wait for that to be corrected. So it will be available, and I will let you know when it is available. But in the meantime, there is a previous edition of the Boiling Frogs Post DVD series. Volume one is in fact already available for purchase from BoilingFrogsPost.com. If you haven't yet done so, I hope you would、uh, do so, and again, help support the work we're doing, and also get a number of value. Valuable BFP reports, eye-opener reports. That one on the subject of、uh, the, the, the CIA, the,、uh, the NSA, the, some of the things that are going on behind the scenes there.、Um, just some really,、um, I, I think, hard-hitting reports. If I do say so myself, which I do. But let's move on to another video report. We're going to be showing you、uh, the. Police state solutions and answers、uh, video, which was the the end, the wrap up of this police state series that I was doing、uh, at the beginning of this year once again. And once again,、uh, these reports are available. I'll show you exactly where to click on the video of this、uh, this radio broadcast. If you're just listening to the radio broadcast, just go to boilingfrogspost.com, and in the right hand, there's a sidebar. About halfway down the page, you see boilingfrogspost video. Just click on that. Button that that banner, and you can get all of the reports. And once you、uh, scroll down to the last few weeks, after that point, all of those videos are available for free viewing in their entirety. So once again, there's no obligation to buy anything. But let's take a look at this solutions and answers video, where we start to talk about some of the ways that people can and are fighting back against the encroaching police state, and that not all is hopeless. It's not abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Quite the contrary, we are the power. You and I, and the people who are.、Uh, Really, not breaking the laws, the the, the real laws, the the people who are trying to put these、uh, ridiculous laws in, so that if you stockpile food, or if you chew bubble gum, or if you pay with cash, you're suddenly a suspected terrorist. Well, that's what we're trying to、uh, to fight against, and there are many different ideas for how to do that effectively. So let's start taking a look at them once again from this Boiling Frogs Post eye opener report called Police State Solutions and Answers. Welcome. This is James Corbett of the Corbett Report with your eye-opener report for BoilingFrogsPost.com. With TSA abuses back in the headlines, continued concern over the NDAA and other legislation codifying martial law. 
President Obama's unchallenged use of his self-proclaimed authority to assassinate American citizens without trial, and an increasingly bewildering array of tracking, tracing, and pain compliance technology being used against law-abiding citizens, more and more people are becoming aware of the police state that currently exists in the U.S. and indeed throughout much of the so-called free world. With this understanding comes a certain amount of apprehension. After all, the enemies of liberty are organized and persistent, and they inhabit positions of authority. The defenders of liberty, meanwhile, seem few and far between, and more time seems spent convincing others that the police state even exists than in working to dismantle those systems of control. What these concerns obscure, however, is the simple fact that the police state constitutes a mental prison as much as a physical one, and that part of its power is in convincing the public that it is all-seeing, all-knowing, and all-powerful. Once that illusion is shattered, the police state can be seen for what it is, a system of coercion that can only function if a majority of the people go along with it. In recent years, an increasing number of people have been revolting against police state authority, some with lighthearted humor, others with nothing more than a camera and the courage to use it, but all with the understanding that rights can only be safeguarded by a vigilant population that refuses to submit to arbitrary and intrusive authority. Here comes Peter Cottontail, hopping down the bunny trail. Before he headed out to hide eggs across the valley, the Easter Bunny spent his Saturday night hiding a photo radar camera in Tempe. It's all a scam. Shelton videotaped the prank and then uploaded it to YouTube. The 90-second clip shows someone dressed in the costume walk up to a red light camera at the intersection of rural and university in Tempe. The bunny, who Shelton won't identify, takes a giant egg and places it over the camera, rendering it useless. The driver getting yelled at in a commuter parking lot outside St. Louis is Brett Darrow, who has installed a camera in his car. And the camera runs all the time? Yeah. Come on, boy! Come on, boy! Give me some more love! But the lip came from Sergeant James Kenline. His rant was sent by Darrow to friends and ended up all over the Internet. Cop Gone Wild reads one title. The officer has been put on unpaid administrative leave. If you can secure your own identity with your own fingerprint or your eye scan, it means people can't take your personal details uh, and abuse them and apply for credit without permission to do so. So it actually will help the citizen secure their own personal identity. But just as the hard sell was in full swing, with shoppers at the galleries road testing the new biometrics, a scene straight out of Orwell's 1984 hit us. Twenty or so demonstrators rolled out banners and placards. As ringleader David Gould reckoned the true cost of all the new technology will be billions, he did a Jeremy Paxman on the minister, trying to confirm his calculations. What are you afraid of, minister? What we're doing today is, is crushing uh, the final remnants of the uh, National Identity Card scheme, uh, the disks and hard drives that held the information on the National Identity Register uh, have been wiped and now crushed and uh, reduced to, to bits of metal so everyone can be absolutely sure that the Identity Card scheme is now finally dead and buried. They, they now make you put all your belongings in this little see-through plastic bag. It's a bit over the top, I would have thought. No, it? no, I disagree. Personally, I don't think we can be cautious enough on this one. Um, 
Ironically, it is the very technological development that has allowed the progenitors of the police state to create their databases, cameras, and Big Brother surveillance state systems that is increasingly enabling the average citizen to fight back against that system, a point so obvious that it has even been addressed by the bought-and-paid-for establishment mouthpiece, News. With so many of us carrying cell phone and digital cameras, we'll be seeing a lot more eyewitness video. So what should you keep in mind if you see news unfolding in front of you? Eleni Neji has some of the answers. All it took was the flick of a switch on this digital camera. The result was this. Some call it citizen journalism. Everyday folks armed with a camera or recording device capturing the events that unfold around them. The tools to report on the world around you are in the hands of ordinary citizens. This UBC journalism professor says video captured by the public is increasingly becoming more available and more important. It used to be said that journalists wrote the first draft of history, but now increasingly what we're seeing is that ordinary people, citizens, are capturing that first draft, and they're capturing it in images and video. And then that video is extraordinarily powerful. With the realization that more people are wielding and using their cameras as a tool to keep the so-called authorities honest, has come an inevitable backlash by the system. In 2009, the UK went so far as to pass a law deeming anyone so much as suspected of taking a picture of a police officer as a criminal. When confronted by a massive backlash against the law, including a protest in Trafalgar Square in January 2010, the London Metropolitan Police attempted to assure the public that it was their policy to allow filming or photographing of public spaces and police personnel. As late as last month, however, a photographer in Mansfield was threatened with arrest by two police community support officers for having taken photographs in a public space. In the U.S., police around the country have tried again and again to arrest citizens for photographing or filming their actions, and these cases have been thrown out again and again by judges. Although laws vary from state to state, the vast majority of states have unambiguous laws that allow for the filming of public officials in public spaces. One person campaigning for greater awareness of these laws is Carlos Miller, proprietor of the website Photography is Not a Crime. He has twice been arrested for filming the police and has twice beaten those charges and has engaged the Miami-Dade Metro Rail security on multiple occasions despite the Metro Rail's stated policy of allowing photography at its stations. Earlier this month, I had the chance to talk to Carlos Miller about the ways that an informed populace can help in the fight to keep public spaces open to photography and video by simply arming themselves with a camera. You know, they arrest somebody when they arrested me. You know, they, they arrest me for taking pictures. That was obvious. Well, they couldn't really write that in an arrest report. So they said, well, he was standing in the middle of the street. He was blocking traffic. He's creating a big disturbance. And these are five cops. You know, and if it wasn't for any photography, any cameras, well, you know, who's the judge going to believe? Who's the jury going to believe? They're not going to believe me or five cops. They're going to believe the cops. They come in there with their uniforms and and people, most juries have a tendency to believe the cops. Even now with video, it actually shows what really happened. So it, it forces the cops to be honest. And a lot of cops are used to stretching the truth. 
just to you know, make the charges stick, you know, to, to their agenda. And that really, that really, um, hinders what sometimes what they want to do. Cause sometimes you, know, you have a lot of cops who, who want to, who arrest people on unlawful charges and, and they make it up just cause they don't like your attitude. We call it contempt of cop. You know, if you back talk to a cop or if you question a cop or if you ask his badge number, for example, if you ask his name and you want, you cause you know, cops want to be respected and so do we. And I, I always tell people to respect cops, but you know, you don't necessarily have to kiss their butt. You know, you, you don't have to, oh, you, I mean, you have the right to question why they're pulling you over. You, you have that right as citizens. We're not living in a police state yet, but, but a lot of times they will arrest you for asking their names and badge number. So that, that's the reason. I mean, they, they don't want to be recorded because it just shows the truth. And they have nothing to hide because there's a lot of cops who don't have anything to hide. And you, you'll see a lot of cops who just tell you, you know, just stay out of my way. Don't interfere with my investigation. You just stay across the street, record all you want, and that's it. And, you, and usually those cops are doing their job, and that video is not really interesting because they're doing their job. And that's the way it should be. And we, we, I mean, I would wish that we can just record cops and have a bunch of boring videos that no one cares about because they're not doing anything. But what you have now is you start recording a cop, they get in your face, they start threatening you. And then they make themselves look really stupid. I, they, they send me the video. I put it up on my blog and it just goes viral. And then the cop gets mad. Well, he, he is the one that made himself look stupid. And that, we, we see that every day, almost. Another key aspect of the police state control grid are the myriad tracking technologies that are used to keep the population docile and compliant. With just 1% of the world's population and over 20% of its CCTV cameras, it is difficult for the average UK resident to escape the all-seeing eye of Big Brother. But with the help of organizations like No CCTV, the public is increasingly becoming informed about strategies for engaging local councils and having the cameras removed, sometimes with remarkable results. Earlier this month, I talked to Charles Ferrier of No CCTV UK about the work his organization is doing in helping British citizens combat the police state in the UK. I mean, the, um, in, in Oxford was the first one we set up, and what we did there was they were trying to put a set of um, sort of permanently fixed cameras along a road in the east of Oxford, which is a uh, not the city centre, quite a bohemian student area, quite a nice area. That people loved it in that area, but they wanted it to sort of turn it into everything, every other part of Oxford. All these cameras are. Um, we fought against it. We didn't get a complete victory in that one, but we got them to back down a lot. We got them from. 10 fixed cameras down a road to three temporary wireless cameras, much smaller cameras, uh, which are much easier to get removed. Uh, there were some problems with the campaign at the end, which is where it took two years to get uh, the real results on it. And people started to lose interest and go away. All that would require, I'm sure we can get those three cameras out of Oxford if people will just get active again. Uh, the biggest success story in the last uh, couple of years was in Birmingham. Uh, where a campaign group was set there by Steve Jolly, uh, who we worked alongside, and he um, fought against the cameras, set up um, number plate recognition cameras and normal cameras, 216 cameras put around um, certain areas of Birmingham um, called Project Champion. Um, that was a huge one, and that was a, a massive victory because uh, in December of 2010 it was announced that those cameras would all go because of the weight of support uh, of, of public opinion against them. Uh, and in 2011, all of those 216 cameras 
removed from a city, a cost of over three and a half million pounds. Sort of scheme that no one would believe it was possible to get those cameras removed because everyone would say that money's been spent, millions of pounds of public money, but those cameras came down and that was an enormous victory. And it, it definitely got the government and the, the powers that be on the back foot because that's why a lot of the stuff in the Protection of Freedoms Bill going through now is trying to soft soap the surveillance society. Um, we've had other victories, um, but some of those are invisible. So what will happen is someone will contact us and they'll say, um, my local council's planning to put some cameras in. What can we do? Uh, we'll help them, point them at some studies, give them some advice. They'll go to a council meeting and a councillor might well back down straight away. So it never appears on the radar. All it, all it is is a, is a seed of an idea. Uh, and because that's the, in a way, that's the best way to get at these problems is to get them really early, nip them in the bud. So we've had a few like that. We've had other successes in Birmingham, trying to block a few schemes there. Um, but we've not really got enough active people to stop these because you really do need that local angle. It's uh, for a, uh, you know, a group like No CCTV can be an advisory group, um, but we can't be all over the country. We can't attend local council meetings. Uh, but all it takes is a few people to do that, and then we can get more success. Emboldened by their growing numbers and empowered by new technologies, more and more cop watch groups, independent news websites, citizen action campaigns, and individuals are resisting the police state through a variety of means. As always, the number of people who are actively involved in protecting our waning civil liberties may not be a majority, but the numbers are growing by the day, and the technology for disseminating information has leveled the playing field between the oppressor and the oppressed like no other time in human history. And as with so many struggles, those struggling against the power of the police state are realizing that their greatest power lies in merely resisting the system and refusing to go along with the arbitrary dictates of the so-called rulers. And with that simple act of mental liberation, the understanding that the system requires our cooperation in order to proceed, the masses are once again discovering that behind the pomp and circumstance, Big Brother is not so frightening after all. This video is brought to you by the subscribers of BoilingFrogsPost.com. For more information on this and other topics, please go to BoilingFrogsPost.com. For more information and commentary from James Corbett, please go to CorbettReport.com. All right, welcome back. Here we are here on this Monday night edition of Corbett Report Radio, looking at some of the eye-opener reports that I've done in the past, and some of them that are being collected on a brand new DVD from BoilingFrogsPost.com that will be available in the very near future for your purchasing and viewing pleasure. That's going to be available soon, and once again, I will let you know once that is available for purchase. But let me just go through the actual contents of the disc in case you're curious. It's going to contain a number of eye-opener reports, once again, my weekly video series from BoilingFrogsPost.com, and these reports will be included in their entirety, including the one that we listened to in the second segment of tonight's broadcast, Police State 2012, No Need to Wait, It's Already Here. Then we have uh, Police State Gadgets and the Technology of Enslavement. There is Police State International, the Globalization of Control, Resisting the Police State Solutions and Answers. And then as some added bonus, we have National Security Letters, uh, Viscerating the Constitution Since 1978, and How the FBI Bends FOIA, uh, talking about the blackballing technique. Also, there's TSA, Tyrants Sucker America, 
and additionally, there is an interview between myself and Andrew Gavin Marshall of andrewgavinmarshall.com about his podcast for uh, this uh, boilingfrogspost.com. And finally, there is also the uh, collection of Paul Jamiel editorial cartoons that's put together in the form of a video. So I hope once again that you will check that out once it's available. And of course, I will let you know once it is available. Uh, and I should also let you know other ways that you can support the Boiling Frogs post uh, is, well, of course, there's the first volume of the DVD series. The first Boiling Pro- Frogs, Frogs post DVD is available for purchase right now. It's right there linked up in the sidebar of the front page of BoilingFrogsPost.com. Uh, uh, it's $14.95 plus $2.99 shipping and handling, and that's available, again, for purchase through the website there. It includes six of my uh, eye-opener reports plus a Sibel Edmonds interview that I conducted with her and a Paul Jamiel political cartoon uh, video. Uh, also, there's the classified woman book that I mentioned before, Absolute Must Read, and I hope that you will go and get your copy from classifiedwoman.com. Just an incredible story and a very harrowing story, unfortunately, of what she went through in her time as an FBI whistleblower before and uh, even during uh, the end. She talks about the founding of the website, but before the founding of the website, when she was still trying to work her way through the system to see how she could blow the whistle, well, it turns out that the system is rigged against you and there's no way to win. And that's a lesson that she had to learn the very hard way. But we can learn by doing something as absolutely simple as buying the book and reading about her experiences. Finally, there's also the subscription to Boiling Frogs Post. If you subscribe to become a member, you can help to keep the website going and to uh, support all of us who are doing this work. So uh, that includes myself and Peter B. Collins, Andrew Gavin Marshall, Eric Dreitzer, Paul Jamiel. All the people who are connected with this website are supported through the uh, the generous support of the people out there. And we are going to be starting a, uh, a subscriber drive in the near future. And once again, like our previous subscriber drive, if enough people sign up to become subscribers, uh, we will make the, the eye-opener series completely freely available completely uh, from week one. Right now, as it is, as I say, you have to wait three weeks for the full report to become available online. But if we can get enough subscribers, it will be freely available to all. And uh, and I don't have the exact numbers on that. I haven't hashed that out with Sibyl yet. But uh, we will get that uh, information to you and we'll, we'll tell you the details when she's on the program here on Friday night. Once again, stay tuned tomorrow night for Peter B. Collins of PeterBGollins.net, the co-host of the Boiling Frogs Prost uh, flagship podcast. Wednesday, Andrew Gavin Marshall of AndrewGavinMarshall.com and host of Empire, Power, and People podcast on Boiling Frogs Post. Thursday night, we're talking to Eric Dreitzer of StopImperialism.com, who has a brand new Boiling Frogs Post podcast called The Reality Principle. And then on Friday night, we're talking to Sibel Edmonds herself. So uh, just an absolutely jam-packed transmission this week. I hope you will be here for the conversation. I'm sure it'll be a lot of interesting information. So until tomorrow night, thank you all for listening, and take care.